Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. The body, the human body, when it functions properly, when it's put together well, when it's fed the right way, when it's performing the right way, can do absolutely amazing things. But what we have to be careful of is that there are ailments that creep into our body, and much in the same way with the church. So last week we saw from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the first ailment of the body that stops the local body, the church, from performing or living the way that it's supposed to. And that first ailment is the feeling of uselessness when one body part says, well, because I'm not like the other body parts, they don't really need me anymore. And we learned last week that every single part is essential. So if you struggle with a feeling of uselessness, make sure that you dig into the reality that you are necessary to the body. This week it takes a turn. It's a little bit different. Last week was, you don't need me. This week is the attitude of, I'm not really sure I need you. So it takes a little bit of a turn, but let's hang in there and see what it means. We're going to deal with the feeling of what I'm calling self-sufficiency. This idea that I can do this by myself, that I don't need other parts of the body to make this thing happen, that belief creeps into the body in many different ways. And it can stifle the growth and the performance of the local church. Again, like last week, let's start with the root of the problem. What is the real problem? If you look down in verse 21, again, Paul uses a little story here when he says, the eye cannot say to the hand... I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, the head cannot say to the feet, this one simple sentence, I do not need you. Now, it might be the nature of the eye to say to the hand or the head to the feet, I don't need you. Maybe the eye thinks he's better than the rest of the body or the head thinks he's more important. There are certainly parts of our body that we think are more important. But he said, the eye and the hand cannot say those things. And here's the root of the problem. In that one sentence, I do not need you, you'll learn what the problem is. First of all, it's this. This part is singular when he should have been plural. Do you notice the sentence? It's pretty simple, right? But I have no need of you. See, this body part that's saying that is thinking in a singular mindset. It's thinking of things in simple terms of me and you, not us or we. That's how he's thinking. So he's saying, okay, what I want to do and what I want to accomplish, what I think we should be doing and how we're going to do that is not needing you. Singular. The body is absolutely made up of many different parts The only thing that's singular about the body is the body itself as a whole. You and I are individual parts that make up the body together. This problem, first of all, is that he is thinking singular when he should have been thinking plural. I and you have to be replaced with us and we. That's how this thing works together. Number two, his problem is he is primary when he should have been secondary. Do you see how his language is? This or this eye is saying to the other body part, I don't need you. 
He's making himself primary, saying, I decide what is necessary in the body. I decide what this body needs, what this body doesn't need. I decide how things should get done, how they shouldn't get done. I decide who's most qualified and who's not qualified. This person who lives this way is making themselves in all things primary, meaning all opinions, all thoughts, all missions, all ideas start with me and end with me. I decide. I don't think you're necessary. I don't think we need you. I can do it without you. The problem is he is concluding all this that he has no use for the other parts and there's a good chance um, if he is the captain of his own ship maybe he's right in this sense. If you are trying to run your own individual organization there are times when you can be right saying I don't need this part or this person can't do this part very well. This happens in other enterprises. This happens in other places where people look at things and say I don't need this or I don't need that. But the church is different. This person is not the captain of the ship. Jesus is. And he is the head of the body. And it says here in chapter 12, uh, up in the beginning part of this, that God arranges the body and places the members in the body. We're going to see here in just a moment that God composes the body. So you might, in other places of your life, have the ability to look at things and say, I need this, I don't need that, I'm going to put you here, I'm going to put you there. And maybe you have those kind of skills in other places, but in the body of Christ, there's never a time when we look at it and say, I don't need that part. We're not the captain of the ship. Number three, this person is leading when he should have been following. Now, at first you might be thinking, well, don't we need leaders? And absolutely, that's true. Leadership is not this person's problem. It's not this person's problem. I'm not saying leadership is the problem at all. In fact, leadership is essential to any organization working properly. For the church to be healthy, it has to have good, sound, godly leaders. In fact, Scripture calls us to have leaders. Leadership is not the problem. So when I say he is leading and not following, here's what I mean. There's a principle that shows up in Scripture over and over, and that's this. That people are given authority when they are under authority. That you should not actually transfer to a person authority until they recognize that they are under authority themselves. This man, this person, this example that Paul is using about someone who might say, I don't need that part of the body, is not under the authority of Jesus Christ is not walking in submission and following a master. He is the master of himself, and he's saying, I don't need these parts. So he is leading, but he's not following. A good leader knows how to follow. Now, there's one key with this whole sort of root of the problem. This problem, this this concept that I look at other body parts and think, I don't need you is first a problem of attitude long before it ever becomes a problem of action. It's a problem between your ears before it becomes a problem of what you say or what you do. This problem of looking at a body part and saying, I'm not sure we really need that body part. We could get along fine without that body part is first starts in your attitude and then it manifests in your actions. This means that you can have this problem this problem, this idea that I don't need certain body parts and actually not be an influencer or local leader in a local church. Did you know that? This problem that says, I don't need this part of the body or I don't think we need this part of the body. This part isn't right or we could do better without this body part. 
is something that actually shows up whether you're a leader in a church or not a leader in a church. It's kind of easy to see if it's a leader in the church. You can see that person maybe has favorites. Maybe they give select opportunities to select people and they have people they like and people they don't like and maybe they put people in positions based upon certain reasons that are not godly or biblical. Maybe this person lacks self-awareness or they're always trying to drive their own agenda. You've probably seen church leaders like that before and that's dangerous and that's why we always need to have a plurality of leaders to hold people in check. But if you're not a leader, It can be a little bit harder to see this attitude manifest itself. But here's how it does. You might become a little bit disconnected with the local church. Maybe you're heavily involved in other places. You like to be engaged. But when it comes to the local church, you're just not really involved. And maybe what you find is in your own self-talk. You know what self-talk is? That stuff you converse with yourself about. What you find when you're thinking about the local church that you're a part of and you're talking to yourself about the local church is a lot of criticism about other people maybe what you find is that you're thinking things like oh so and so doesn't do that right i could do that a lot better or so and so if we could just get rid of them man they're not qualified to do that job they they do that wrong and if i were doing that i'd do it this way and be way better do you see how you can just be a participant in the local body but have this attitude that we don't need that part and that's dangerous Everyone needs the reality that Paul is sharing with us here at the rest of this part. So let's learn how do we get rid of this problem. There's a couple realities we need. The first one is this. God's ways are not our ways. What do I mean by that? You've probably heard that phrase before, right? Isaiah is the one who uh, coined that phrase. Well, in Scripture, Isaiah chapter 55, God is saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Meaning this. I think about things that you don't think about i see things from a perspective that you don't see i'm holding together things that you're not aware of that are moving parts that you might not always see and i do things in a way that you wouldn't do because i've got insight wisdom that you don't have god's ways are not your way so there may be times when you look at the body and say i wouldn't put that part there We'd be a lot better without this part. And if we moved this and did that and got rid of this person, this church would just be way better. Well, God might be doing something different than what we are thinking about. Scripture goes on and on. If you go back to chapter 1, let me read this passage for you. In chapter 1 of this book, listen to what um, Paul describes, how God works. In verse 26 of chapter 1, he says this. He says, consider your calling, brothers, meaning remember where you were called from to become a Christian. Think back to when, before you were a Christian, what you were called out of to become a Christian when you became part of the body of Christ. He says, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. He says in verse 29, so that, here's the reason, here's why God works in this counterintuitive way. 
Here's why God does this, why he takes unwise to shame the wise, weak to shame the strong. Here's why he does that in verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You know what this guy's dealing with, this, this body part that looks at other body parts and says, I don't need them? He's dealing, with what, he's dealing with what every one of us has to deal with, and that's our ego. This boosting of ourselves in this world. And what he's saying is God does things a certain way, his way, so that at the end there'll be nobody who stands in front of God and boasts. Can you imagine how foolish we would be to stand in front of God and brag about certain things that we didn't even create? Just think about the things that we honor and revere in our culture. How many of those things that we really create or earn? Not many of them. Many of those have been gifted to us, maybe from parents or maybe from God himself, our DNA, whatever it may be. But we sometimes boast in those things and he's trying to help us see that we did not, everything we have is a gift from him. So if you look down at verse 22, back in chapter 12, listen to this. He says in verse 22, to the guy who says, I don't need certain body parts. On the contrary, well, let me tell you something different. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater reverence or modesty. Which our more presentable parts do not require. Pause there for a minute. There's two words that stick out there that are essential for you to get. First one is this. In verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker. Then at the end of that, in verse 23, he says the parts of the body that we think less honorable. What he's trying to compare is human perspective and God's perspective. Things that seem a certain way to you or things that you think about, you might see it a certain way, but God sees it differently. His ways are not your ways. So he says the things that seem to be weaker are absolutely essential. The things on the body parts that we think are less honorable, which means less qualified, actually are the very things that we should bestow greater honor upon. And our unpresentable parts are actually treated with greater reverence. So here's what he's trying to say. The parts that we believe that are unable to do something, unqualified, or maybe we look at and say are unnecessary, God says are indispensable to the local body. If you just trace the narrative of Scripture from beginning to end, you're going to see all kinds of stories of God doing great things with unlikely people. And so while our human perspective sometimes can look at somebody and say, well, they have these talents, these gifts, these resources, these abilities, let's just make them do something. That doesn't always mean that's how God is actually putting the body together. We believe, when we believe that certain parts are not necessary, what we have is a high view of ourselves and a low view of what God can do. To believe that God can use all people requires that God has requires that you have a high view of what God can do in this world let me give you the second reality It's this here's the second reality you need to have if you look at parts of the body and think "Eh, we'd be better off without them the formation of the local church is a divine thing now we can miss this sometimes in fact if you go read Um, how people plant new churches. Maybe some of you in here have been involved in that process before. We get humans together that are believers, 
and we think about things and we pray about things we organize things and we maybe plant a new church and that new church then evangelizes to get more people in and then more people come and then we look around and say we've got to organize ourselves and soon enough what humans do with churches they treat it like an organization that has to be managed not an organism that has to be grown and there's a massive difference the formation of the local body is a divine thing listen to what paul says there in verse 24 at the end of verse 24 he says god has composed the body now where else do you hear the word composed you musicians composed is when we take multiple lines right multiple parts and all those parts coming together are composed to make one sound to make one beautiful piece from a human perspective we can miss this sometimes but when we as a group of people submit to the lordship of jesus christ collectively something bigger can happen god composes the body you see the difference between this guy who has the wrong idea about the body and god is this who builds the body first of all it's god you notice he says god composes the body consider the way for just a moment how god is working in your life if you're here you're a believer you're praying about things in your life just start adding up all of the things that you're asking god to be involved in your life with maybe a job maybe where you work Maybe you're asking God to be involved in your life with some relationships that are not good or that are missing or that you're wanting to repair or be better. Maybe you're asking God about wisdom of where you should live or where you should go. Maybe you have a health problem, right, going on in your life and you're suffering. All the things that you could be asking God for, let's say it's a list of 10, 12, 15 things going on in your life that you want God to be involved in. Now multiply that number by everybody in this room. So God is composing the body out of all the little tiny variables that are going on in your life and my life as I'm praying to God about them and you're praying to God about your life he's up there saying okay I've got all these things going on and you take all these variables and you divide it by one mission his mission that his glory would be known throughout the whole world that people might come to him God is composing the body he sees us as interconnected not just intersecting our lives aren't just running into each other on Sundays and then going home. Our lives are meant to be one, and God is composing the body. So who is doing it? It's God. How is he doing it? He's composing it. Multiple ingredients required to make something new. And if you miss one part of that ingredient, the whole part breaks down. Why is he doing it? Let me hit you with this last part. If you look down in verse 25, he says, he's doing all this, God is composing the body, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, that the members would have the same care for one another. He wants to unify his people for a mission to accomplish his purpose. The root of the problem is this, the person in this story who says, I don't need that part of the body, that person has an individual mission. And anyone not helping them with their individual mission is seen as unnecessary. And the root of the problem is this. God has a greater mission than the individual one you have. A bigger one. And every time you feel this way or have these thoughts uh, about maybe, I'm not sure we need that part of the body. If we could just get rid of this part of the body, the church would be, be would be better. Ask yourself this question. What mission am I trying to accomplish? 
Whose mission am I trying to make happen? And why do I see this person as a problem? And oftentimes you'll find out, if you're honest, that you're frustrated with that person because they're not contributing to your personal agenda and not the mission of God. Occasionally a person needs to be rebuked in the local church, corrected, brought into the fold. Absolutely, at times that needs to happen. But what we find mostly is our inner, our friction amongst each other, our critiques of each other, oftentimes are that person isn't doing things the way I like them to do or want them to do. And that attitude deteriorates the local body from being able to grow and being able to serve. You know, one of the ways that we try to instill the transcendent mission of God here is through um, a lot of our different ministries. And one that I want to share with you, if you're new today, um, throughout this series of the body of Christ, we're trying to introduce you to the different ministry areas that our church is involved in so that you could be involved. This morning, I want to tell you about our education ministry. Now, many of you in here have uh, participated in or been blessed by our education ministry. We have Bible classes on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. We do special events where there are different opportunities for people to learn. But in, for the most part, our Sunday mornings and our Wednesday night Bible classes where our education ministry happens. And it's one of the larger ministries we do. In fact, there have been lots and lots of people who have been involved in this. And if you're not involved in it, uh, as a volunteer or as just a participant being here in class, I want to encourage you to do so. I want to tell you a couple things about it. First of all, our education ministry does have classes from birth to death, literally. From the time that you become uh, part of this body, you can be involved in our education ministry to grow. The point of our education ministry is to develop every person into a being who is a disciple of Jesus Christ who gives their life in useful service to God. And now we break our classes down by age. So we've got cradle roll all the way up to sixth grade. We've got our junior high and high school class. We've got adults classes. And sometimes we have special classes that are based upon certain demographics that pop up and we need to serve this, those. I want to tell you this morning quickly some ways that you can give of yourself to serve in this area. And there might be some that you're not familiar with. The first one is this. You probably are familiar with this. People in the teaching team. Now there are two ways to be involved. One is to teach a class. And if you've never taught a class before, we can get you ready to teach a class. It's all literally about being able to share stories from Scripture with people who want to learn them so that you can share your faith with them. And if you are not a teacher and you'd like to be, we have people that can help you. If you are a teacher, we thank you very much for your service. There's another role in the teaching team I want to tell you about quickly, and that's a teaching assistant. Our classes have actually grown in the last few years. They're bigger. If you noticed, it's kind of quiet today, but we usually have a pretty good children's choir that sings while I preach. We got a lot of kids, and it's wonderful. And our teachers need help in those classes. So we like a teacher to be teaching the material, and we need a second person. You don't bear the responsibility of teaching all the lesson, but in there to help manage the children, to make copies, take a kid to the bathroom if need be. That's a great way that you can serve if you'd be interested in doing that. You can also be part of our resource team. We've got a resource room, and we're trying to uh, upgrade that. We, we need people to make copies of materials, to find new curriculum, to organize materials. Maybe you're more of a librarian type, but just like to support people. That's a way you can serve. We need people on our design team. These are the people that do our bulletin boards and do our um, classrooms and stuff like that. Some people like to teach, but they're not artistic. So if you could help with that, that would be great. 
And we need people on our technology team. This is new, but we're trying to use and leverage technology a little bit more to be able to service some of our educational needs, whether that's putting material online that our teachers can go get so they don't have to get a hard copy, or that's uh, organizing the way that we uh, do our classes. So here's the point. Um, out there in the foyer on the podium, there is a sheet. And if you grab that sheet, if you have been a teacher or been involved in our education ministry, or you are involved, or you would like to be involved, we'd like everyone to grab one of those and quickly fill it out. And you'll see, maybe mark some ways that you're willing to serve, or maybe you have served and want a break. Just let us know so that we can actually have an updated information about who wants to be involved. And maybe mark on there if you've never been involved and you just want to kind of explore, we'd love to help you get involved in our education ministry. So grab one of those. Uh, if you have any questions, Sam and Ken Davis are our two elders that are involved in education. Um, Karen um, uh, um, Perkins is heavily involved, and Brad Chadwell and John Collier and myself are also very involved, so we can help you with that. Let me finish with verse 27. Go back to the scripture here. Paul, Paul says this to finish this thought. He says, you are the body of Christ. Now here's what I want you to have in your minds, this picture. Think about the actual physical body of Jesus. His head, his chest, his arms, his feet. What did that body do while it existed on earth? It walked. It touched. It fed people. His body spoke words. His body encouraged people. His body prayed. His body did all kinds of things while it was here on this earth. And Paul says this, you now as the church are the body of Christ. Every one of you are members of that body. That body ultimately submitted to the will of God, contributed to a plan bigger than himself, and suffered and sacrificed for the purpose of bringing forth salvation to many people. When you get involved like the body of Jesus Christ did and you become part of his body and serve that way, you contribute to something bigger than yourself, ultimately to the salvation of people's souls. And we want that to be available for all people. We want you to partake in that great ministry. So find your place to serve in this local body, get involved, become a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And if we can help you become a member of that body to become a Christian, we wanna help you do that. Let's stand and sing this song together. You can come.